Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Fighter versus the Writer. I'm your host, as always, Damon Martin, and today I'm happy to welcome in one of my favorite people to talk to. We go back many years, and he's got a fight coming up at UFC 274, and got a lot to talk about with him. Welcome in, Joe Lozon. Joe, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. You know, it's funny when I first had the the concept for this podcast, you were actually one of the first people I reached out to and said, "Hey, you got to come on and co-host my podcast with me." And you said you were down, and here we go. We're finally getting a chance to do it. Of course, I'm always down. Whatever you, whatever you need, I got you. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. So, Joe, how is everything? Obviously, here we are two weeks out from the fight. Uh, I know even though you haven't fought in a couple of years, you're always training, you're always in the gym, working with your guys. So how is it being back in a fight camp? Uh, I like it. I remember the parts that I don't like about it, too, <laughs> right? There's like, you got this nagging injury, you get this, you get that, you got to kind of train around a little bit. So, like, I don't love that part of it. But overall, I, I love being back in fight camp. Um I was getting a little fat during the pandemic, getting like a little, little tubby. Uh, but I, I feel good. I'm, I'm glad to be back in everything. Uh, everything just kind of clicked back in place. Like I, I didn't know how it was going to go because it had been a while, but everything just clicked right back in. It was like riding a bike. Yeah. We talked before and after your last fight. And at that point, you know, everyone, you know, even you said, you know, the, the talk of retirement comes up and you understood that, but you didn't want to retire because you said, listen, you know, if something interesting comes up, I'll do it. Maybe I won't, but maybe I will. Uh, during that time away, like, do you stay in touch with the UFC? Like, do they reach out and say, hey, Joe, do you want to fight? Do you want to do this? Because I know contracts have, like, an expiration date if you're not fighting. So how does that work? Like, do you just call them up and say, hey, I'm ready to fight again? Like, how did it work with that time off? Uh, yeah, I mean, so, like, it's, it's a whole bunch of, like, legal crap that goes into it, right? So it's like they message me, like, hey, do you want to fight? Do you want to fight on this date? And I'm like, eh, maybe not that quick. And then like, okay, no problem. And then I got like an email from like the legal department. Well, you passed on a fight. So you have been extended until your next fight or whatever. It's just like that kind of stuff happens. But I've been talking to Sean Shelby. Like I, you know, I was, I was very upfront what was going on. Like I had no interest in fighting during the pandemic whatsoever. Like they were like, 
you know, we're fighting and, you know, hopefully this fight's going to happen, you know, like it's, we're, we're two weeks out, whatever it is. Um, you know, but like, I did not want to do an entire training camp and then have the fight not happen. Right. I felt like there was like this big, like COVID variable that was there that I was not really, didn't want to mess with so much, but yeah. I think we're in a much better place now. I, you know, I felt more confident about it. Uh, so like last, like spring, um, you know, I talked to Sean Shelby and like, Hey, look, I'm, I would like to fight again, you know, sometime, you know, maybe this summer gave me a, you know, the right person, right time, whatever. He's like, okay. He's like, I'll get back to you soon. And then it got to be like fall time, like August. I'm like, Hey, what's going on? He's like, Oh, like, you know, like we're thinking about this. We're thinking about that. And then eventually, you know, I'm like, Hey, like what's, what's going on? He's like, what do you think about fighting cowboy? And when he offered me cowboy the first time, it was like four weeks notice or something like that. It was like first week in February. And he's like, oh, you want to fight Cowboy? I think it was March 8th. I'm like, no, I do not. <laughs> like, I, I'm like, I like the idea of fighting Cowboy, but just not that quick. You know, like, I, I don't, if I'm going to do this, I need to like the opponent, the date, the location. I have to have all three. If I'm going to fight again, I had to like all three. Um, I'm not, I'm like, my gym's doing great. So I don't need to fight. Like, I, I feel like sometimes guys, like they, they retire, but then they're not having as much success making money as they would would have liked. So then they come back and like, Oh, I'm going to fight again because I need the money. And that is not, I'm not in that situation. That, that is not my problem whatsoever. Um, I just, I like fighting. I like training. So um, I'm like, Nope, I'm, I'm, I'm all set. Like I don't want to do anything on short notice. Like I like fighting cowboy, but I don't like fighting on short notice. And then he moved us to April. He's like, okay. He's like, cowboy wants to fight right away. So I'm like, okay, well, well that's not going to work for me. So like, you'll have to find someone else. And then they come back. Okay. How about April 30th? And that was a better time. And then, um, you know, but then there was going to be the apex. So it got moved to now May 7th. So it's like, that was kind of like how all the off season stuff kind of happened for me. It was like, I kept communication open with them, but I wasn't like busting their balls. Like, Oh, get me a fight. I want to fight. I was just like, Hey, keep me in mind. That's yeah. all. How is it working with uh, Sean Shelby versus Joe Silva? Cause you were a Joe Silva guy for the longest time. We talked about him. I think when he actually left the UFC, we talked about that when he retired because Joe is one of those guys. Joe is Joe is one of the most brutally honest people I've ever met in this sport. And uh, I love that. Uh, yeah, and, and he, I know you dealt with Joe, you know, quite a bit. I mean, over the years. So how is it working with Sean versus Joe? Uh, so I, I like dealing with Sean. It, it's okay. It's definitely Joe Silva was definitely better because the volume is different, right? Back when Joe Silva was doing it, there were way less fights, there were way less cards. Um, now it's kind of a volume thing. You know, Sean's putting together so many fights per year, whereas Joe Silva was putting together less. Uh, it's definitely a little bit like Joe Silva's like, if your life depended on it, you could call him and he would pick up. Like, I could call him right now and he would pick up for sure. Haven't talked to the guy in the three years, probably. But if I called him right now, he would pick up. Um, he just, some people like that. Sean is not the, the best. Sometimes it's a little bit hard to get a hold of him, but it's just, again, it's just a volume thing. What he really needs is he needs like an assistant or he needs help or they need, they need like almost like need a different matchmaker for each division or something. Um, there's just, there's just so many fights going on and, and every single fight fighters are such divas. <laughs> every single fighter is like their next fight is the most important thing in like their entire universe. And for Sean, it's like, eh, he's making like 12 fights on a card, six fights on a car, whatever it's going to be. It's like, it's just like, it's the numbers thing. So it's, he's trying to get matchups to happen and everyone else wants to like, they got to talk to their coaches. They got to talk to this, which I understand. Like I do the same thing. I have to talk to my coaches. I have to talk to my, you know, my people, but um, some fighters are really, really difficult. I do not envy that position at all. You are, and I mean this as a compliment, you've never been like a super controversial guy trying to stir up, you know, trouble, you know, trying to stir up issues 
in terms of like issues with the UFC. Now you'll speak out if you have an issue, but you're not the guy who's constantly like, you know, just kind of like banging the drum about one thing or another. But that being said, do you feel like, I mean, cause again, you're one of the few guys I can speak to about this, that like the culture of the UFC has changed dramatically under the new ownership, under new matchmakers. Cause again, it, it was a much different world under Lorenzo and, and, and Dana and Joe Silva versus now you got Hunter, you got Sean, of course, Mick is a different division from you, but Mick, I mean, is it, is it a different world? Like is it night and day or is it still fairly similar? Like how is it for you? Because you're one of the few guys who's been around a lot of eras of the UFC. Uh, you know, it's evolved. It's like anything else. You know, I think that like, you know, for a lack of, I'm going to like, like overly blow this out of proportion. Right. But Lorenzo Fatita bought the UFC. He's a big fight fan. Right. He basically gave Dana free reign to do whatever he wanted, gave Joe Silva free reign to do whatever he wanted. You know, they, they kind of, hey, we got this idea. It might not make the best business sense, but we think it'd be really cool. And they're going to be like, do it. Whatever you guys want, you know, bonuses here, they, whatever's going to go on. Right. Um, it was like Lorenzo's, like, kind of like his like pet project. Right. Like it was, he ended up making some good money on it. But like initially, it was just like he was just having fun with it. And it wasn't like really run like a super tight business. It was like kind of like his, his side hustle, I guess you could say. Uh, whereas now Endeavor owns it. Endeavor wants the UFC to make money. So it's, it's very, very different in that regard. You know, now it's, it's more like, you know, it's by the book and it's math and it's numbers and things like that. You know, like it's, you don't have like, you know, billionaire Lorenzo's like, Oh, this thing would be awesome to do. It makes no sense whatsoever, but it'd be awesome. So we're going to do it. You know, like it's, it's different now. So of of course it's going to change. It's going to evolve. Um, I think that there's like, as it changes and evolves, like good stuff and bad stuff has come of it. You know what I mean? Like there's the, the, the pay has gone up quite a bit. Like my first fight in the UFC, I fought Jens Pulver for three and three. You know what I mean? Like now it's like coming to UFC, like you're like 12 and 12, something like that starting out. So it's, it's gone up quite a bit. Um, it's different with sponsors and, and everything else. It's just like the UFC is like this big media powerhouse really. Um, so it's, of, of course it's, it's changed. It's different. You know, it's, I don't think it's, I think it would be bad if it stayed the same. I think if it didn't continue to evolve, it wouldn't continue to grow. Uh, it wouldn't be where it's at today. Yeah. Is there, if there's one downside to that and, and again, you know, we could get into the minutia of it. I'm not going to do that, but if there's one downside to that, if there's one thing I remember about the old days in the UFC and again, the sports grown, we all understand things are going to change. Like you said, everything evolves, but there was like a real, even, even with the, even with conflicts, like even when like Dana was at odds with like Tito and things would get so nasty, like in the press and things between them, the UFC still kind of felt like a family in a way. Like it was so small, close knit. You know, there was only so many people in the office. Like I said, you only dealt with Joe Silva. Like I'm sure you didn't yep. deal with 19 other people. You know what I mean? Not to say you do now, but like, you know, now you know, it does feel like a business. Now that's not wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. But I have talked to a few fighters and said, yeah, you know, it's not as much fun as it once was because there was just this certain atmosphere dealing with the UFC that was different then. And it just, it did feel like a family, even when you were at odds with them, much like you'd be at odds with like a parent or a brother or sister um, versus now it is such a business machine that, you know, you, you kind of become another cog in the machine. And again, that, that that's how businesses are run. We all understand that. It's how corporates are, you know, corporations are run. If you work at a Starbucks in Seattle, doesn't mean you know the boss and the CEO of Starbucks. But uh, how is it for you? Because again, that's, I know some guys I've talked to said, yeah, you know, it does kind of, that's kind of suck. Like, it's just not the same anymore. Like not to say it takes away their passion for fighting, but you know, it's just a different animal now. It's just different. You know, like it used to be that, you know, you know, the Burt Watson left the UFC, right. They hired like 10 guys to do his job. <laughs> you know, it was awesome before. And you just like had a great relationship with Burt. My, my coaches flew Burt out to my wedding. I fucking love Burt Watson. Right. <laughs> so like anything I need, I'd be like, Hey Burt, 
what's going on with this? And he'd be like, like look around and be like, oh, well, we're not supposed to be doing it like this. But, you know, you could ask this person about this. You know, you kind of like, you get kind of like, like inside kind of voice a little bit. You know what I mean? Like you kind of get a better relationship with people and people are a little bit more willing to like extend themselves a little bit for you. Now it's like, it's like this big corporate environment where everyone's kind of protecting themselves. It's all run by the book because if they don't do it by the book, it's not going to be like, oh, well, like, well, that's, that's Joe. That's okay. He can do that. That's not what they're supposed to do, but Joe can get, you know, Joe can do that. Um, now it's like, Hey, you're not supposed to let this happen. You got to go talk to this person. You get in trouble with their boss. And this, it's just like, <laughs> it's different. It's just different. You know, and it's, it's, that's how things grow. You know, it's the same, like, you know, so I run a martial arts school, right? we got like a little over 300 students now, right? It's different now than it was when there were 60 students, right? It's just, it's better in some ways. It's probably a little bit less personal in other ways. Um, but it's just, that's just the way things grow. That's just the way it goes. You know, I think it's a, it's a good problem that the UFC has, um, that they're growing like this. Um, you know, but it's, it, it is a little different, of course. Yeah. Now you, you mentioned before, of course, when you're, you know, you're deciding about fighting again, you know, again, you weren't hounding the UFC, but you said, Hey, I want to get ready to fight. And, you know, you waited some time and you did your own thing. And eventually they came back with you with the cowboy fight. Now, when the cowboy fight got announced, I was like, oh, yeah, this is a great fight. Like a couple of you know, pair of legends, guys who've been around the sport forever. The last time you got a prospect. Now, you went out there and starched him, you know, very, very quickly, got a big win. But at this stage of your career, like, is it more meaningful? Like I talked to Jim Miller and I know Jim's in a little different situation because Jim's like, I'm going to fight until I get to UFC 300. I want to do all these kind of things. And he's still very, very active. And he's, you know, he's taking on veterans and he's taking on prospects at this stage of your career. Is there like, is it just about the timing? Was this one more about the cowboy fight? Was it like in terms of like what you're looking at now versus the feel like when you look at the future? Cause I know everything for you right now, unless I'm wrong and please correct me if I am, it's kind of one fight at a time. Like if you want to fight again after cowboy, you'll fight again. If you don't, you don't. Uh, but what, what is the most meaningful thing to you right now in terms of, of fighting? Is it, is it guy, you know, getting a guy like cowboy or is it just like fighting on your timeline? Uh, it's just fighting on my terms. I mean, I guess the big thing, like I, I, you know, for the last fight against Jonathan Pierce, um, you know, he was not become a guy, but we kind of like the, we did not like, we did not love the, the stylistic matchup initially. We actually said we did not want to fight him initially. And then Sean kind of pushed back. But he's like, look, it, it, it's a good matchup. It makes sense. If you want to fight this to the kid, it's like, okay. So we, we, we begrudgingly accepted Jonathan Pierce. And then like, we, we did great. You know, we, we won the fight flawlessly. Everything was good. Uh, and then we took some time off. And then when the cowboy fight came up, it just, that was just kind of how it played out. Like we liked the opponent. We liked the date. We liked the location roughly. Um, so we're okay with it. Uh, it's going to be the same thing going forward. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's like a flexibility and freedom thing. You know what I mean? Like if it's the only real downside to, you know, saying no to fights and staying, you know, unretired is USADA <laughs> and they can come and they can bang on my door. They can do whatever they want. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me. Like I don't, I don't do anything. Like it's um, I've never had like a whereabouts failure with USADA in all these years um so and we get like a few a year or something like that so like i've had zero ever so it's 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 never been like a, a problem it's never been like anything any kind of work for me dealing with usada so it's like if, if i can just stay under contract and i can potentially be offered fights and if a fight comes away hey you want to make a whole bunch of money and go do something you enjoy doing i'm like yes let's do that i i like the idea of that you know um during the cowboy fight like you know the, the entire camp if something happened and like I got banged up and I couldn't fight, I would not have felt pressure. Like, Oh, I have to do this fight. Like, Hey, I'm sorry. I'm out. I hurt. I hurt this. I hurt that. I hurt whatever. I'm out. You know, see you guys later. Um, I don't feel pressure. It's not like I'm dependent on the, like I said, my gym's doing great. 
Uh, I'm not, I don't need the money to, to, to live on. Uh, it's obviously, it's nice to go and make money to do something you enjoy doing and love doing. Um, but I'm not like, I have like complete flexibility. I have complete control. Like I can do whatever I want. If I want to fight, I'm going to fight. If I don't want to fight, I'm not going to fight. Like I don't, I don't feel pressure. It's not like, I think sometimes when people like they might leave a job they might do whatever. And now it's like, well, this is the, this is the only real way that they make money is by fighting. And that's just not my situation anymore. So um, I just like the flexibility like, and, and, you know, we're going to fight cowboy and, you know, if the fight goes well and, you know, we'll keep the door open and we'll fight again. If the fight goes well, we'll probably be like, all right, maybe that's, maybe that's the end of it. That, that'd be the end of it. You know, we're not going to fight again. Um, you know, you brought up Jim Miller. Jim Miller had mentioned after his last fight that he would like to maybe fight the winner of me and cowboy. You know, maybe we do that a third time. Does it make sense to me to fight Jim Miller a third time? Not really. You know, like he beat me the first time. Officially he beat me the second time, but I thought I won the fight. A lot of people thought I won the fight. Um, so do we go, does it make sense to go fight Jim Miller a third time? Probably not, but it'd be fun. I like Jim. I like training. I get paid to go and, you know, fight Jim. I, I, I don't know. Um, we'll just kind of see, like, I'm just, um, I, I like the flexibility and not being like pushed into a corner. Um, I think sometimes like you got to do when it's your job, I'm sure you do this too. Like you, it's your job. You have to do something you don't want to do sometimes. It's just like, everyone's, that's just how your job goes. Um, you know, and I just, I, I, I think that my, my current situation is like, I, I'm not stuck. I don't have to do anything. I don't want to do. Uh, if I want to fight, I'm going to fight. If I don't want to fight, I'm not going to fight. Do you think, uh, and this is a weird one to ask, cause I, I know the answer is eventually, but do you think you'll ever actually retire Joe? And, and the reason I say that is like, you know, of course, at some point, you know, you're going to get maybe to an age where you're just like, you know, with your kids and like, you know, you're 45, you're not going to fight again, but you're never going to make a big deal of and say, I'm going to retire because I remember talking to you about this. I think it was before the Jonathan Pierce fight. And you said, I'm just, I'm not going to retire because I want to have the flexibility. If I do want to fight, I'll fight. And, and you know, here we are, you know, two years, two years plus later, you're fighting. Um, so when I say never, I don't mean never. I just mean like, you know, in this, in this day and age, do you feel like you'll ever retire in that way? Like until it just gets to the point where you're just, you know, you're, you're older and you're just not going to fight anymore. Like, is there, do you think you'll ever actually make that declaration? So I, I think the, the, the problem that, you know, fighters run into is, and I did not want to do this is, you know, like, so I got, you know, two fights ago, I got my butt kicked. Right. And then like, you know, we, we took some time off. We didn't fight for a while. I did not want that to be my last fight. I fought Chris Gutzemacher and then we fought Jonathan Pierce. And now we, we won that fight. Right. So I said in the post fight interview, I'm not going to be one of these guys like, Oh, I'm back. Here we go. Here we go. Like it's, we're going to keep on fighting. It's like, that's not the case. Like I had a good night. It was, it was, it was a great night for me. Um, but I, I I'm not, I'm not thinking that I'm 22 years old and I'm still going to keep, I'm, I'm back to, you know, my, my, my best prime form. Like, I, I don't think that's the case. Uh, I think I'm in really good shape. I think I'm probably better than I've ever been before, but like age, age catches up to us all. Right. So like if I go out and I beat, Con, uh, cowboy Donald Cerrone and you know let's say that it goes just like my last fight and I, I smash and I dominate it whatever happens right um you know I'm not going to convince oh I'm back here we go fly me up like I give me that title it's like no it's not the case you know like it's um but if I go out and I get smashed by cowboy right you know that's probably going to be more of a, like a definitive like okay we're probably done now you know because the the problem all these a lot of fighters run into is like they win and they think they're back on top and then they keep on rolling the dice until they get smashed and they lose. Like, oh, they should. And yeah, it's always like, oh, you should have gone out. You know, and maybe I should have gone out in my last fight. Maybe my last fight should have been my last fight. Um, you know, maybe, maybe Cowboy smashes me and I get beat up and like I, I go out on a loss and I retire and that's my last fight ever. I mean, it's possible. Um, you know, but I like the matchup. 
I like the matchup. I'm not like being delusional thinking, oh, I'm going to go and, you know, do this and do that and whatever. Like, but it's a good matchup. I, I think the fight makes sense. I'm not fighting a 20 year old kid that's coming off of like smashing people. Um, find a guy that's like my age that's had similar experience. Um, I think people are excited about it. Like I saw some comments on Reddit, like, oh, this would have been a good fight back in 2015. Like, you motherfucker. Like, <laughs> but, um, you know, but I think it's going to be an exciting fight. Like, I think I can go to local amateur fights and watch like an awesome fight between two uh, amateur guys that are evenly matched up. And it's a great fight and it's entertaining. I think that, you know, Cowboy and I are going to fight. I think we're evenly matched up. I think we're, we're in, in the same ballpark as far as like experience and, and time in and health and everything else. And we're going there. We're going to smash each other. You know, like I'm going to try to, you know, go out and get on him. He's going to try and beat me up. It's just, that's the way it's going to go. Um, so I don't think that, I don't think that it's a, it's a definitive thing for me about being done unless I get beat up pretty bad. Then, okay. It's okay. We're done. You know, like if, if I go in and I, I beat cowboy, then it's just going to be up in the air, just like it is now. Like, oh, maybe we'll fight Jim Miller. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll do this. Maybe we'll do that. You know, maybe we just like, maybe I'm going to fight Jim Miller, but I won't like the time or the location or whatever. I got, I don't know. Um, but I like, I just like the flexibility, you know, kind of similar to when we talked last time. Like, I just, if it makes sense for me, I'll do it. If it doesn't make sense, like, all right, I have no problem telling the OC, hey, no, I'm good. Thank you, though. Yeah. It's funny. I haven't, I'll be honest, I haven't talked to Cowboy in probably, year and a half maybe something like that it's been a little while since i spoke to him but i think we all know cowboy's mentality cowboy is you know very much like i don't know that cowboys have that mentality where he wins one he says i'm gonna go for the title again but cowboy doesn't strike me as the guy who's like looking long term <laughs> maybe he no. does i mean he's got kids and everything but he's not that he's never been that guy to think three fights down the road maybe i'll be done you know and, and listen he's been on a bit of a bad run here i mean we can't deny that he's had a couple of tko losses you know, he's had, you know, he got to the point where, you know, we had the whole Dana thing where Dana's like, maybe it's time for Cowboy to walk away. And I think that's, that would be, in my opinion, one of the di most difficult di uh, conversations UFC has ever had with a fighter because Cowboy is such a fighter that he's like the guy, I feel like you'd have to wheel him out to get him to like stop fighting. Now, maybe that's changed. So I don't want to put words in his mouth. Maybe this last year and a half, he's completely changed his demeanor, his family. And he's like, you know what? Maybe this is his last fight. I have no idea. I'm just playing the odds of how we know Cowboy. Does that change? I won't say it changes that dynamic because the fight's still the fight, but like you're not going in there thinking, man, I got to win this one or man, you know, I, I'm in a, my back's against the wall and I, you know, I need the money. And you know, you said you're doing this for you. It's fun. You like fighting. It's not because you need the money. It's not because you're trying to prove something. You just like fighting. Now, Cowboy, maybe in the, literally the opposite position because his last fight out, you know, lost to Alex Moreno. They're like, maybe you should retire, man. Maybe you're taking a lot of damage, blah, blah, blah. Like, does that, I know it doesn't change your perspective on the fight, but do you feel like that does kind of allow you to just go in and be yourself in a fight? Whereas Cowboy, it feels like he needs it. Like, he needs this. If he's going to continue fighting, he needs this win. Or there, he might have that conversation with Dana where he's like, you know what, man? Like, we love you. You know, we're going to give you like a, you know, <laughs> we're going to give you like an ambassador role, like the old school, like Chuck Liddell thing. I don't know. But like, do you feel like that is like a real possibility here? Where like the pressure's 100. I, I mean, I, I don't think even if his demeanor's changed, I think the pressure's 100% on him because he's always been that guy. I want to fight eight times a year. I want to fight this guy. And it was, you know, two years ago, he's like, I'm going to make a run for the title again. So I think that. Cowboy and I are very different in like our focus. So like, I, I think that I am probably more focused on this fight than Cowboy has been focused on this fight. Right. Because I'm just, I like doing tedious monotonous things. I like getting dialed in. I like focusing on one thing. Like um, 
I think that Cowboy just kind of does like a lot of things all the time, right? And I think he's done that his entire career, his entire life. Like, I don't think it's a case of like, oh, he's just not paying attention to it now. I think that like, he always wants to fight. He's always taking short notice. You know, like I, I, I did not like taking short notice fights, right? Like I like having an entire camp. I like game planning for someone. I like watching film. I like breaking it down. I like getting sparring partners that are going to give me that same look. I like getting drilling partners to give me the same look. I like working on very specific things and game plans and, and outcomes and scenarios, right? I don't think that's cowboy at all. Like that's how I've always been. I've been a little more analytical. I think he's just like, yeah, we're going to fight. Like, I don't, I don't know if he's done a whole lot that's been specific to me. I'm sure he's done some stuff. I'm sure he's got some game plan, but um, I just think he kind of does his thing, you know? Um, you know, like he's posting on Instagram. He's like out on the boat and he's doing this and he's racing this and he's driving this and all sort of stuff. And like, and I don't think it's a case of him not taking the fight seriously. I just think that that's just kind of more how his, his motor runs a little bit. Right. It's like, that's just what he does. Like, that's what, that's how he's always going about things. So we're different, you know, but I don't know that like, this is like, like for me, it's like, it's, I'm having fun because it's going to be a fun fight. Right. For Cowboy, I think it's kind of similar. And this is just one of the many ways that he makes money. You know, he's got all these different sponsors and he's got the ranch. He's good at this. He's got that. And like, um, you know, he just, I think he's got a lot of different kind of streams of revenue and this is just one of them. I don't think this is like his primary source, his biggest thing. Like he's doing acting, he's doing this, he's doing that. Like he's, he's got a lot more going on. So I think that I'm a little bit more focused on the fight than he is. Um, but I think it's just like, this is just like a smaller part of his life. Whereas I think it's a bigger part of my life right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because like I said, like Cowboys, uh, I, I just, it's weird. Like you guys are both veterans. You've both been around when this fight got made. I'm not even, I'm not even joking. When I saw it, I was like, Oh man, I can't wait to see the rematch. <sighs> Yeah, <laughs> because it was like it was like one of those things where I'm like, of course they fought. Like, oh man, this oh, is gonna be a great rematch. Never. Like, it's just, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not even kidding, Joe. I had to like scour your record, and I was like, they fought before, yeah. right? Like, they did. No, you didn't. Like, this is one oh. of those ones. But it, it it is a it is an interesting one because, like I said, I feel like even though you guys are both veterans, you both been around the UFC forever, it does feel like you guys are in two very different places going into this. Like now, again, maybe Cowboy's demeanor has completely changed in the last year and a half to where he's like, you know. Uh, I'm not chasing the title, whatever it is anymore. But uh, it is interesting because, like I said, all those little things, you know, whether it's like you just had a kid or you just got married or you just got divorced or whatever, like all these little things outside the fight can play into the fight. I think we always kind of forget about that a little bit because when you get in the fight, you know, we, we talk about injuries and things like that, but there's so many other things that can affect you. And I know he's been doing acting and all these other things. Like, I am curious what cowboy we're going to get here. I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's looking past you. I don't think he's not training, those kind of things, no. but the mental focus is real. Like you're doing this for you. You're having fun. You like it. You're going through a fight camp. I do kind of wonder where he's at. Like what, what is his demeanor? You know, he doesn't do a lot of interviews. He doesn't really talk about it much. So I'm kind of curious where he's at. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be exciting. I think that's kind of one of the things that's kind of like intriguing about it. Right. You just don't know what you're going to get. You know, you just, we, we don't know what we're going to, what we're going to get out of this, you know? Um, you know, you brought up a couple of times, like the opponents he's had in the tough fights, like he's fought killer after killer after killer his last couple of fights. So his, his last few fights have not been wins, but he's fought some absolute monsters. You know, I, I think that's something people don't realize too either. You know, he's fought all these guys that are just absolute monsters. Um, and yeah, he's come up a little short against them, but he's fighting these guys that are killers. You know, like what's, what's going on with me the last couple of years. I fought like basically like once in the last like four years. Right. It's like, what's been going on with me. Most people don't know. They saw me fight for a minute and a half, um, you know, two years ago. And they have no idea what's going on otherwise. You know, like I think it's one of those fights you just you don't have a whole lot of idea like who's going to show up on either end of the of the of the 
fight. You know, it's like what kind of what version of me is going to show up? What version of Cowboy is going to show up? You know, just it's it's hard to predict stuff like that. It's a little bit easier when you're seeing people more consistently fight. And you you know, you see them a little more recently, but now you're talking. You know, a lot of time it's happened, so it'll be interesting. It'll be fun. Yeah. Did you see uh, Dana? They're talking about you know because I think a big part of this, and I know it was for you getting to fight back in front of the fans. Cause like I, there's been aspects of like the, the apex fights I've enjoyed. And now I'm kind of over it because like I went to the UFC here in Columbus a month ago and it was just so awesome to be back. Like with the fans, 19,000 people losing their minds, the rising and falling with every punch and takedown and submission attempt. And it's just a whole other atmosphere. And I know fighting in front of fans uh, was important. That's a big, you know, I'm sure that's a big bonus of being back here on the, your first fight on the pay-per-view, all those kind of things. Did you hear Dana say they're going to go back to Boston? Did you hear that? I did not hear that. I, I, I've been hearing rumors of this for a little while, but I'm, I'm excited to hear that. Did he say that to come back he, to Boston? He said, they talked about locations and he said, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And he's like, we're going to go back to Boston. And because the Boston, I, I, I didn't go to the last Boston show. That was, was that the Chael Sonnen? Uh, that was the Conor McGregor. Chael Sonnen Shogun fight, right? Was that the last fight in Boston? Am I remembering that correctly? Um, I think so. I forget now. It's been there's just so many fights. It's, it's so hard to keep track of them all. Your your fight in Boston. That was, was that the Gabe Rudiger fight? Was that Boston? Am I remembering that correctly? I did fight Gabe Rudiger in Boston, but my last fight was uh, against Jonathan Pierce. This was uh, the the that's right, that's Weidman. right, that's and right. Weidman. And then Yair and Jeremy Stevens. That's right. That's right. Because I, I, I've, I've been to a couple of the Boston cards, and I love, I freaking love Boston. I freaking love those cards. Although I will say, if you go back to Boston, go during the summer. I love Boston as much oh, as anybody. Yeah, don't sure. want to go. Don't want to go there in the winter. But like, no. is that like when you talk about fights? Like you know, and again, it's all about timing. Like if they offer you a fight on three weeks' notice, fight in Boston, I, I'm guessing you're probably going to say no, thank you. But. Is that again kind of like that's what we're talking about, like the fun things? I, or do you even like fighting? I don't know. Some guys hate fighting at home. Um, I didn't mind fighting at home. Like it, it was always fun fighting at home. You know, like I sold, uh, I, I, I did tickets, so I sold six hundred tickets both times I fought. The last, uh, I think all three times I fought in Boston, I sold like six hundred tickets. So, um, it, it's great having people, everyone there in my t-shirts and, and screaming their faces off and everything. Else. So, I mean, that part's fun. It's definitely a little bit more stressful. Um, you do a lot more like local media and a lot more like I got my aunt freaking texting me like, Hey, what time can I get in? Like the day of the fight. Like, <laughs> how about you just leave me alone? You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, stuff like that. It's like, it's definitely, it's a little bit more because there's just, there's way more people, you know, that are attending that just don't typically go to something like that for them. It's like, they're going to like a local fight and it's like, yeah, it's kind of a big weekend for me. It kind of just leave me, leave me alone, please. Um, so it's like, it would be nice if they're talking about coming to Boston, like, you know, in the summertime, you know, that's something we would consider doing um you know assuming this fight goes well um but like again like you said like the, the time has to make sense you know like we have to like the location the date and the opponent you know what i mean like if they told me hey we're gonna fight in boston in three weeks but it was an opponent that we really really liked if it was like a you know someone that i thought was like a layup i'm a fool to not go and take that you know so it kind of even if it was short notice that might still be okay um but it's just you know gotta gotta, gotta have all three for me you know if they want to if they come back to boston i'm excited about that um you know, that'd be awesome. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. You're in, you're in such a rare position, Joe, because the, the downside of our sport and, you know, not to put on negative spin on it, but the downside of our sport is there's a lot of guys who haven't really planned for the future. We know this, you know, we, we've seen the horror stories and you feel bad for it when it happens, when guys come back and they feel like they need to fight, like they don't have any other options. Yep. They've not really invested their money or all these kind of things. We've seen it a thousand times over. 
uh and i and i mean this sincerely I, I applaud you because you're a guy who did plan for the future like you built your gym you've got students you got it like you said you don't need to fight now like you're making a living on your gym and, and coaching and things like that and like I feel like it's like I know gyms are not easy things to do. I mean, we just went through a pandemic where everything shut down and all these kind of crazy things are happening. But like, I almost feel like when it's all said and done, remember when they used to do the UFC uh, retreats, like they take you out to Vegas yep. for like four days, teach you how to do social media and everything. Like, I feel like we need to have like the Joe Lozon business plan of like guys <laughs> who are like coming up because some guys don't some guys don't plan for the future like i know like again i, I do the podcast regular with matt brown of course and he's kind of getting to that age where he's you know he's older he's 40 41 and you know he's got businesses now he's got his own coffee company he's got his own gym here in columbus all those kind of things he's planning for the future when fighting is not there uh because he wants to you know give a life to himself and he has kids and those kind of things but it is it is sad you see that but like i feel like we need like the joe lozon plan where like i want like and i use cowboy as an example because again he's your opponent and we've all heard you know cowboy in the past say i need to win this fight because i need to pay taxes like i never want fighters to be in that situation where like they oh, need to win a bonus right. just to pay off taxes but like i feel like that's something like guys like yourself matt like i w i wish there was like a veteran seminar where like you could talk to the young kids like hey plan for the future like this is not you're not always going to be getting fifty thousand dollar bonuses you're not always going to be getting double paychecks like these are things you need to plan ahead for and like i wish like guys like you like the ufc that would be a great way to like use you is like hey bring you out and like talk to the new fighters because uh i don't know if you saw like brian stan was talking to you, like he gave advice like young fighters like i feel like you'd be a great guy for that because you have planned for the future to the point now where you don't need to fight you just want to fight yeah you know, for, for sure. You know, and it's, it's hard. I mean, there's definitely things that I think I could have done. You know, if I could go back and talk to like 22 year old version myself, I would, I would have a lot of advice for the 22 year old version myself. Um, you know, but it's just like, you know, you just, you, you, whatever you have for information, you make the best choice you can at the time and you go on from there, you know? And, um, for me, it's like, I never saw fighting as like a full-time long-term thing. Like I had my first fight against Jens Pulver. I went back to work on Monday. And then a couple months later, I went on the ultimate fighter. And I went back to work like a week after that. And then I went back, you know, and I worked until the finale and then I fought on the finale and then I went back to work. And then I was, I was, I worked for like another like a month or so. And then I had BJ Penn called me to move out to Hawaii. So I'm like, all right, I'm putting in for leave of absence. I left my job, went to Hawaii. Everything went great. And, and because I had spent, I, you know, basically saved up enough money to, you know, give myself a cushion. I was able to do that. I was able to kind of keep rolling it forward and keep kind of building that cushion as we went on and spending, you know, less than I was making as time went on. And I think some guys like they, they have a hard time thinking that all oh, it's like, they think whatever they're making now, they think it's going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So they keep spending more and more money as they make, they make a little more money. They spend a little more money. They make a little more money, they spend a little money. And now it's like, okay, they get to the end of that career. And now it's like, there's nothing to, there's nothing to, you know, there's nothing saved up. There's nothing there. Um, one thing that made a big difference for me was like, I spent like most of my adult life trying to become the best fighter I could possibly be, which was great. And then like, I, I was running my gym, but I was not running my gym effectively. Like I, I wasted so many years at my gym because I didn't, I didn't understand how to run the business. It wasn't until like maybe four or five years ago, I got way more serious about trying to run the gym as a business and like think of it as a more of a long-term thing until then it was kind of like my personal training playground. Right. Like I just, I ran the gym, the gym made money, but didn't make a lot of money. Didn't really care about running like a, like a, a, a well, you know, oiled machine as a business, because it just, it gave me a place to train, gave me good training partners, gave me a place to work out with my coaches. It was fine. You know, but now I think back about like how many years I wasted, how much money was lost 
that we didn't make because we didn't take it seriously. Um, and just like, I just, I didn't know, you know, so I, I, you know, like four years ago, maybe five years ago, maybe, um, you know, we, we got serious about trying to like, okay, like as tenaciously as I try to get better at jujitsu and boxing and wrestling and everything else, I try to get better at business stuff. And I've just, I've just learned a lot and I've kind of figured out what works for our business. And, you know, um, you know, and just like anything else, you find good coaches, you find someone like, if you're trying to get good at jujitsu, you find someone that knows jujitsu and you have them teach you jujitsu, have you help with jujitsu. Same thing in business. I was like, I was like this like dummy that was like, I had good jujitsu, but I had no idea how to run a business, but I'm running a business because, but I don't know any better. And just, you know, you kind of, you figure things out on your own a little bit, but you really got to go and find uh, someone that kind of like, kind of lead you on the path. So if, if it does come a point where I say, okay, I'm definitely done fighting. I'm not going to fight again. Um, I, I wouldn't mind talking to UFC and, and, you know, maybe trying to work with some of the, some of the other fighters and trying to, you know, help them, you know, kind of prep and game plan for long-term and kind of figure out what they want to do. Um, that would be something I would definitely be interested in if, if that was something I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, but again, I'm not, I'm also in a position where like now I'm like, I don't need that job because like, how's that going to take me away from my gym? How's that going to take me away from my own businesses? So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I, I feel here I am just talking about like, you know, financial responsibility. I'm about to ask you the exact opposite question because, <laughs> uh, you're kind of, you're very much like me. You're a geek. You're a proud nerd. We know this. Uh, you know, I go to San Diego comic-con every year. I'm going again in July. Like my one vacation every year is to go to San Diego comic-con. Haven't been in three years. It's like breaking my heart. I haven't been because of the pandemic going back in July. Yeah. Very All excited right. about that. I'm curious, Joe, you're not, you've never been that guy to be like, Oh yeah, I'm driving around in my new Lamborghini around Boston. Like, well, oh. I got this extra. Has there ever been anything you've splurged on like what's the biggest splurge you've ever had like not after, not saying like right after a fight like oh, i'm gonna take my bonus and go buy this but like has there ever been one frivolous thing that you've spent on you've never been that guy you're never on like social media be like look at my new you know the horse farm i just bought or whatever like you've never been that guy and i'm saying that because like funny <laughs> enough like cowboy is that guy he's like oh i want to fight i bought a boat yeah, I want to yeah. fight. I bought a yacht, like whatever it is. Uh, for you, is there ever been a splurge item? If you're like bought a Batman outfit, like anything? So there's, there's, so I got two things. So one, and this is like just a stupid one. <laughs> I bought, I spent eight hundred dollars, and I bought on, uh, it was like Etsy or something like that. I bought a Ghostbusters backpack, <laughs> which was like unbelievable. It was awesome. It made all kinds of noises. It was great. I had lights. It was, it was awesome. But then we did a big home renovation. It got, it got crushed a little bit. It got broken. So that was like the, a frivolous, stupid thing that I bought. Um, but that was like $800. Um, which in the course of like a 15-year UFC career, I guess that's not so bad. Um, one thing. Um, then the only thing I bought that like, and I don't, it wasn't like frivolous, but it was definitely like, it was, it was probably a little bit more than I, I would have liked to spend, but I, I felt like it was okay. So I, I fought Jamie Varner. Uh, I won the fight. We got a double bonus. We got fight of the night and I got submission of the night. And I was like, I had a Maxa, a Nissan Maxima at the time. And like, right after the fight, I've been like thinking about getting another car. And uh, right after the fight, like the AC died. Like it was going to cost me like $1,800 to fix the AC and do something else on it. Right. It was like, didn't make any sense at all. So I was going to buy like a Jeep, like a, an SUV. And I was going to get like a, probably not brand new, but probably somewhere like 5,000 miles, 10,000 miles on something like that. And I had a, uh, my buddy knew someone at the dealership. I ended up buying an Audi SQ5. So it was like, car was like it wasn't crazy expensive but it was it was 50 grand uh it was used it had like 10,000 miles on it um so that was like and i i still have it to this day it was like a two that was like 2000 i think it was 2015 i think it was i know the cars are 2015 um so i've had it for like seven years so it's like it's a little expensive of a car but it wasn't crazy expensive 
Uh, but that was like the only thing. Like it's it's a nice car, but it's not a crazy expensive car. It's not like it's a very like it's on the higher end of like a, a a typical daily driver car, but it's not like a Lamborghini or something crazy or anything like that. Yeah. Did you see did you see the new Ghostbusters movie? Yes, I loved it. Did you like okay. it? Okay. Did you okay? I I'm not listen, I'm not above admitting when I get emotional during movies. Okay, I yep. I wept during the last like half hour of that movie. Full on yep. like cried. Cried. I get teared up a little bit. I, I I'm didn't, not gonna I didn't lie. cry, but I teared up a little bit for sure. Movie was great. I thought it was like, I thought it was really, really good because like, so my kids loved it, and like they've seen like the old Goldbuster movies a little bit, but um, but they love like the little like marshmallow man guys. They just they thought that was awesome. Um, they didn't understand like the nostalgia of like hearing like all the sound effects and the music and that kind of stuff. Uh, but I thought it was awesome. I thought they knocked it out of the park. Yeah, I seriously, when I was in the theater, they I'm not going to ruin it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but I was like, I it was I was like, is it dusty in here? Like I full on got emotional <laughs> during that ending. I was like, it was like, but it was like the it's so great nostalgia. Like I grew up on yeah. Ghostbusters. I I'm like you. Like I would 100 percent spend 800 dollars on a on a proton pack without a, yeah. without a doubt. I would 100 percent do that. Uh, when I saw the movie, like I was just like, it was just like so much joy and so much fun. And it was like the perfect dose of nostalgia and like new stuff. And yeah, that ending wrecked me though, man. I was just like a full on like blubbering mess. Like, oh, this is so beautiful. This is amazing. Like, they crushed it. Yeah. They absolutely crushed it. Like it was so good. Um, yeah. I, I don't think they could have done much better with it. Like I thought there was like a, there was a little bit of stuff that I don't want to spoil it either. There's a little bit of stuff in the very beginning with Egon that I thought was like a little bit uh, hard to follow. Um, but it was, it was so good. I, I gotta go back and watch it again, actually. I, yeah, go I feel again. like, I feel like when it's all said and done and maybe, like I said, everything goes well on May 7th, maybe you go out and get another bonus. You know, maybe we talk Dana into like in a little boost in the bonuses, getting to like 75 <laughs> grand. And I feel like, you got it like it's not, listen you got kids and everything now you got a business so again I, here i am saying be financially responsible now go blow your money but i feel <laughs> like you i feel like you deserve like i want to see like joe Lozon like you own like the full batman outfit or something like i know you're big into comics and like and like comic book movies like i feel like when it's all said, you gotta have one other like before it's all said and done some ridiculous splurge that you need to do, whether it's like, you know, you build a bat cave at your house or I don't know why I keep going back to Batman because uh, I think Bruce Wayne, I always think he's, he's rich. Uh, or you buy like a full on Superman outfit or something like uh, you buy an Iron Man outfit. I saw somebody walk around Comic-Con with a full on suited Iron Man suit. Like Joe Lowe's on his Iron Man. I, that, I feel like you need to do that. I'm just saying. I've gotten old now. Like now it's like, I'm, I'm talking about putting in like a, like I have like a chain. So my yard is like, I have a nice yard, right? Like a, it's all flat. It's all fenced in, but it's like, it was, it was fenced in when I bought it like 10 years ago, but it's all like chain link. We're talking about putting up like a, you know, privacy fence, like big, tall, six foot, eight foot tall privacy fence all the way around my backyard. Uh, we're talking about my wife's like, Oh, we're talking about doing like a patio and stuff <laughs> like that. And like, and now it's like, it's a case of like pretty much all of the UFC money is kind of like, just like, not frivolous blow it kind of money, but it's kind of like, it's not super necessary. Like I'm, I'm going to be smart with all of it, but if I, if I end up going and spending, you know, 10 or 15 grand to, you know, put down a patio or put up a fence or something like that, it's not as like irresponsible as before when it was like my sole source of money and income. So, um, you know, it's just like, now it's like, it's just all, all like the, the fun has been taken out of my life because I would have <laughs> gone and bought, you know, bought like a Batmobile or bought something like that. Now I'm like, I'm, I'm buying a patio for my wife. 
It's funny. You remember the movie Old School, the Will Ferrell movie? Yes. Like yep. in that in that scene where he's like he's hanging out with the college kids, and they're like, so he's like he's like, oh, we're gonna have a pretty busy day tomorrow. We're gonna go to Bed Bath and Beyond, and yes. uh, we're gonna yeah. <laughs> we're gonna go to Costco. And I, I don't know if we'll have enough time. Like I feel like that's the I feel like that's where we're at now, Joe. Like we're at the point now where we used to have fun all the time, and now we're like, you know what? You'd be a fun Saturday. Let's go to Costco. That'd be a I'm really even, fun Saturday. I'm even lazy in that though, because I just pulled my phone and I'm pulling up like Amazon. Like, oh, I'm just gonna like. <laughs> Look, whatever I want, have it just sent. It's going to show up in my house in like two days or a day or Walmart Plus or wherever it's going to be. Um, you know, so I can get back to playing video games and all the stuff I like to do. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, putting in a patio. That's when you know you've graduated from buying a full on Batman outfit or like a Ghostbusters. A Ghostbusters. How about a Lowe's on Ghostbusters uniform? How about that? Like, you, you can, can do, do that. that. You can do that. I, 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 we did, I did a Ghostbusters uh, costume for Halloween one year. So yeah. That was good. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Uh, Joe, it's always a pleasure to catch up. I appreciate you doing this and how busy you are beyond a fight camp, but also running a business and you got a family too on top of that. So uh, thank you as always for doing this. I really appreciate it. Uh, again, safe training the rest of the way. Safe travels out to the fight in Phoenix. Cannot wait to see you back in action. And thank you as always for doing this. You know, I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Anytime. Peace cake. Absolutely. We'll talk to you soon, okay? All right. Sounds good. Talk All soon. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Later. Bye. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Welcome back to the show, and uh, I am very excited to talk to my next guest. He is coming off his first official win in the UFC, although technically he should be 2-1 and one in the UFC, but that's a whole other conversation that maybe we'll talk about later. Uh, lots to talk about with him. Uh, we go back quite a few years, and I'm just excited to have him back on right now, uh, which was under better circumstances, of course, than what happened on Saturday night, but I'm glad he's here to talk with me about everything that unfolded uh, at UFC Vegas 52. Welcome in, Mike Jackson. Mike, how are you? Man, I'm doing well right now. My balls aren't burning no more. <laughs> uh, my eye, it feels much better right now. Um, so, oh, and then I'm back home, dude. Like, I was I was awake for, like, I was in, I got in a shower last night. I was like, damn, I ain't showered at home in, like, six days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it felt good to be back, you know, and, and I'm, I'm happy right now. Let me I want the direct deposit to clear. I need to find out that the direct deposit clears yet. There you go. There you go. Let me, <laughs> let me, in all honesty, let me ask you right now, how is the eye? Because the replays on that, and I called it what I said. You can look at my, you know, what I wrote on, on Saturday night. I, I didn't call it an eye poke. I called it an eye gouge because when you look at the video, and I said, I was like, I, it looked like he was trying to scoop your eyeball out of your head. Now, to be clear, I don't, I don't think he did it like on, I don't think he tried to go in and gouge your eye like he was, you know, purposely trying to hurt you and, or that he, what I'm saying is like he didn't go in like try to rake your face like a pro wrestling move or anything, but it was Bro, beyond. He tried to a... hit me with the pie. He tried to hit me with the pie made eye gouge. My God, what are you talking? About? <laughs> so how is the eye? How is the eye right now? Uh, the eye is better, man. You know, in the moment, uh, it, it was it was really damaged. Um, and then after the doc checked, and they said there may be like some like surface kind of issues again. Um, he, he scratched the eye in hindsight. Um, so it's really making sure. I ain't got no like Irish germs or no shit. 
got caught, you know, in my eye or anything like that. Um, but it, it was a scary moment, moment for me because while it's happening, like when when the initial, his hand was over my eye, I'm assuming maybe he tried to palm or whatever. And so that's to my point of why, I'm, I mean, I'm going to get into why I feel that it was intentional and why Dean Barry is a dirty, cheated motherfucker. Um, but initially as it happened, when his hand was on my, I saw his two fingers, right? I'm literally looking at two fingers in my eye and I'm like, oh shit, his hand is in my eye. Then I feel the pain, but from my view, I just saw two fingers. Like I didn't, and they looked straight. They didn't look curled or anything like that. But again, I felt the pain. So I was like, that's why I felt that he poked me, right? Um, but then I, I watched the replay later. And I see the guy, the, the, the eye gout, which is, which is really wild. Um, and if I'm being honest, man, I really wish that I would have saw the replay of everything before I started doing post-fight interviews because I would have had a different sentiment. Initially, after the fight, you know, when they called it off, he walks over, he's like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm not a dirty fighter or whatever. He says something that I'm not a cheater. Or, uh, I didn't, it wasn't intentional, et cetera, et cetera. And in the moment, I gave him the benefit of doubt, right? I was like, you know, it's cool. It's a fight, shit happens. But then I go and watch the replay and it went, his hand went here, 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 right? So it wasn't, a, when I, the initial, I thought it was a poke, you know, he kind of did that. But then he curved his fingers, turned and gouged. Those actions tell me that it was intentional. And I have a theory on how we got here, right? Um, but I, and I, but I'm gonna let you go. But to the point though, yeah, I watched the replay. And I was like, nah, this motherfucker gouged my eye. He trying to hit me with the pie, mate. I gouged. <laughs> well, tell tell me about that then, because again, the replay is what we saw. Would literally look like he was knuckle deep in your eye. Like that's what we right. saw in the replay. And I was like, oh my god, that's horrible. Because yeah. for anyone who's never been poked in the eye, by no stretch of the utter imagination, am I trying to compare myself to any UFC fighter? But. I was doing jujitsu one time and I got a, a, a pinky in my eye, just in the side of my eye, just an accidental yeah. pinky in the eye. And it sucked real, real bad. Like I, I couldn't see straight for like a day and a half. And I ended up going to the eye doctor and I got a scratch on the cornea and all that kind of stuff. But it sucked real bad. And that was just a real quick little jab. So I can only imagine it looked like he was knuckle deep on your knuckle eye. It was deep. bad. So tell me, I mean, again, what you're saying there is that you believe 100% for a fact that he was doing it on purpose. 100%. So here, let me run down the fight for you, right? So, I, and I, I'm going to sort of give you my, my idea of my game plan and stuff like that for this fight. So, going back, and I've made previous statements where I said that this fight would be easier than the punk fight, but more dangerous, right? And what I mean by that is for the punk fight, there were unknowns. I knew as a fighter, he could only get so much better than what he was previously, given like his experience, athleticism, et cetera. But given that his background was going to be jujitsu, maybe he learned some like secret ninja shit that I wasn't be prepared for. So that's what I'm saying in him. I, it was, it was, uh, it would have been harder for me to prepare for that. For Dean, he's going to be a better fighter, higher skilled fighter, but I'm aware of his arsenal. And it's going to be easier for me to prepare for those. He's not going to like throw some shit out that I'm not going to be ready for. Um, coincidentally, in irony, right? The one weapon that I was training for that I felt that was his best shot at finishing me, what it really was a body shot, would be the spinning back kick. That was the shot that I was preparing for. 
that was the shot that I was most concerned about out of all of his weapons. The right hand, I was never worried about that because I'm cool with that. Even when he hit me, he hits like a bit. He's a baby. He, he, he's a legit 45er. He needs to get to 45. He's a little chunky monkey, as you saw when he walked in the cage. Um, that was his, he hit me with his best shot. And it was, and I mean, he hit me with his best punch and it was nothing, right? So danger wise, it was always a spinning back kick. So for me, the objective, and also I know he has no endurance, is nowhere close, nowhere near what mine is. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna give him jabs hard feints and low kicks that was my main objective for the first round because i knew he was going to get tired um given his style like he likes to he dances or he runs a lot let me even say dance he runs a lot which he did um and he, he throws he has these big actions um with his punches which again he did so i come out give him the hard feints right he kind of bites he's kind of like fidgety with those and biting on those but he's also running so i'm like all right I don't want to overreact to the, I don't want to like kind of like force the jazz or anything like that. So I'm just going to let him buy time out. Right. So knowing I got 15 minutes, I'm going to let him do his thing. So he's doing the big actions. He's swinging Now all these punches. I'm looking at the punches go by my face. He, he's hitting nothing but air all whole. He's swinging. I'm looking I'm like, oh, shit. now at the same time, I'm like, yo, he hit me one. He's probably going to hurt. But at the same time, I'm like, he fucking man, he's just hitting air the whole time. Um, I'm I'm and I'm looking at his eye, and he, you know, he I could tell he was about to hit me because he would make like this grimace, like he really like Buddy was really trying to knock me out. He was trying his hardest. So you have a fighter who's used to getting these first round finishes. He's used to these guys coming in and laying down for him, right? He's not getting that with me. He's throwing these big shots. He's hitting, he's hitting nothing but air, right? Um, he's getting frustrated. I can see the frustration on his face. Finally, I, and if you look at the rebound, he comes in again, he overcommits. I catch him, boom, with a solid left hook, right? I, I bruise his eye. His eye is really red. And when I hit him, he goes back, and he's kind of blinking, right? He's like, he, and so when he does, I look at him, I kind of smile like, yeah, motherfucker. I hit you, yeah, you got that shit. So then fast forward, I think maybe he got one shot off, right? Maybe. I, I kind of ride, whatever, I eat it, let's keep going. He kicks me in the dick once. I kind of like, damn, like, but this one wasn't like really affecting my performance. It wasn't gonna like stop the fight. I was like, damn, like the dude kicked me. All right, whatever, let's keep fighting, right? Again, got the diamond cup on, we good to go. So initially, and this is why I say, I wish I would have saw the replay before I did the interview. So in the interview, right after he catches me with the kick, I thought I was kind of, he caught me standing still. He threw the kick it landed on my dick. And that was, you know, like, all right, if it was hot, cause I said, if it was higher, it would have been a, it would have been a legal shot. Watch the replay. What happened? The, the techniques that I was preparing for to, to counter the, the spinning back kick, I hit body boom, muscle memory did it. I stepped out the way. If he would have threw the shot legally, he would have just missed completely, right? But because of now the kick itself, I'm not gonna say that was intentional. I'm gonna give him the benefit of doubt on that one. He just he threw the kick. It just he missed his target, right? I guess he missed his target. 
because of the trajectory of his foot, his heel caught my ball and boom, and they got me, right? So that's what happened. So I go down immediately and I'm like, oh, this, and it's to the point people are like, oh, he was faking because he was talking. Like, I don't understand. Like, there's different levels to ball shots, right? Like, there's going to be the ones that hurt where you like, oh, shit, I can't do anything. And then there's ones that I did what I did. Like, I was in pain, but I can still talk. That's, and then that's just me. You know what I'm saying? But it's still in pain. Like, just because I'm in pain doesn't mean I can't talk, right? But yeah, that, 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 argument, that argument didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I remember, do you remember years ago, the fight between, I think it was Josh Barnett and Mighty Moe? Do you remember that fight when Josh Barnett kicked Mighty Moe? And Mighty Moe's down on the ground, literally moaning in pain. Like, he's just like, oh, my God. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, it was one of the most uncomfortable, like, ball shots in history because he was just, like, literally, like, moaning his way through the pain. So I was like, why can't you talk? Like, it was kind of, I mean, listen, it was kind of funny, Mike. I'm not going to lie. I'd be like, when you said that, when you're like, you know, he's like, oh, kick me, kick me right in the, I, I, I got to laugh. But so doesn't mean he, you're not in pain. Doesn't mean you're not in pain. Oh, <laughs> what does that even mean? Oh, he, he can't be in pain because he's talking. What is that? <laughs> I, come on, dude. So people are saying that shit. So Chris, come, and now at, given the apex I, where I'm laying down, when I roll to my right, there's a big screen right here. So, so I, I'm kind of like looking at me roll on the ground. <laughs> and then look, I, I can find humor in this in high, you know, even in a moment, like I'm like, oh my God, I, say, I can't believe this motherfucker kicked me in the dick. Like it was wow. And again, I'm in pain. So I'm trying to like find something to get my head off. Cause again, when I get to tell the story, so he comes over, he said, hey, you got all your time, take your time. And I'm like, oh, fuck this motherfucker. And then uh, I say, he tells me, hey, you get the fight. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to need, because I, I tell him, I was like, yo, I'm going to need the whole five minutes. Like, because I knew this, was like, I'm feeling this. I'm like, there's no, I'm, like, I'm going to need the five minutes. He said, no, no, don't rush. Take your time. You'll be fine. So I'm laying there. So I, I said, hey, can you let me know when it's five minutes? He said, I can. He said, don't, don't worry about it. I'll let you know. He said, but at five minutes, you need to be ready to go. And I was like, oh, shit, okay. I said, well, let me know when it's four minutes. <laughs> so I was like, all right. So he's like, no, 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 don't worry, don't worry. So I'm like, all right. So then I start thinking, okay, I'm laying here in pain. I, I could tell that Dean, because now when the when the strike hit, it's about two, it's, it's like a minute 57 in the fight. I was already like trying to let him do his thing for like the first half. We didn't even make it to half of the fight yet. Half the first round yet, right? So in my mind, I'm like, okay, I need to get up because he's recovering right now. He was, his style, he, he's big in these big actions. I know he's getting tired. So that's why you see me hop up. I was like, no, no, no. I don't want him to get any more rest. So I hop up and like two minutes or something like that. But when I hop up, I'm my dick is still, my balls are still hurting. They're still burning basically, right? But again, I'm thinking I'm in a fight. I don't want him to get this rest right now. Fuck it, let's just go. When I come back, I've all my body's already been compromised from two. Let me put point pin in this. First thing in a rules meeting when Chris comes back, hey, I'm Chris Towney, I'm gonna be your ref, blah, blah, blah. The two fouls we're looking for are eye pokes and nut shots. <laughs> that was those are his words in the rules meeting, right? So you already had two warnings. That was your two warnings right there on the illegal shots. He kicks me the first time. They don't stop it. That's a shot, right? Right there. After I should have got a, a, a hard warning. Then I get the spinning back kick, right? 
And then, oh, yeah, Chris will come over. He's like, hey, duh. I gave him a stern warning. <laughs> I'm like, bro, he had the warning in the back. He got the first shot. I thought, because I legit thought he was going to take a point at least. Then I get the joint with the spinning back motherfucker to the dick. I, I say, and your response is, you got him a hard warning? Like, come on. Fine, whatever. So then, again, I, I hide back up because I'm like, can't let Buddy breathe, right? But again, I'm already compromised from the shot. So now my whole, I was like, all right, like, I don't want to get kicked again if I'm going this way. Because again, I, in the moment, I thought when he threw his back kick, I, he just caught me in the moment. Again, hindsight, I was moving out the way. It was an illegal shot. So now my strategy in the fight is changing. Well, this motherfucker starts punching me. <laughs> Now he's getting up. These are he's getting off his shots, but again, I've already been. It wasn't a legal shot that compromised me. It wasn't like he caught me with a body kick or a head kick, and I'm hurt. He caught me with a solid fucking dick shot. Now I'm hurt. I'm hurt off of that. So then he's getting his little punches off, and I'm and now I'm like, oh shit, this motherfucker's hitting me now. Now not hurt me. I'm I've never hurt. Never. He did rock me once when I went in for like the double leg. But at no point in the fight, I was like, oh, my God, Chris is going to I'm in danger of, of losing because Chris is going to stop it. I was like, oh, he hit me. I right, blocked that. And a lot of those punches, I was also slipping and rolling. Right. He's throwing them. He's they're landing, but they're grazing shots because, again, I'm an expert at this head movement shit. Right. So he's getting these shots off and I'm kind of like, shit, this motherfucker really hit me. All right. We got to We got to figure something out. But again. My nuts are burning while all of this is going on right now. <laughs> Fast forward, he comes in the clinch. I see his thing, like when he puts his face on my hand, I'm literally looking at his fingers through my eye. I'm like, why is his hand fingers on my face? And then I'm like, oh shit, this hurts. But again, in the moment for my vision, it felt as if he were poking me. So I go, I, I go off, go down where I'm, I'm blinking, trying to get this thing. They call the doc in with the little towel. The towel smells like fucking mildew. It smells like ass. And so I'm patting my eye with this fucking mildew smelling towel that's wet. I don't know if someone like this mildew. I don't know what it is. Come to find out, I guess it's something to prevent some other shit that I don't fucking know. So they're asking me, like, what do you think? And I'm like, bro, I, I'm also... My balls are still burning from the fucking spinning back kick. So now I'm dealing with hurt balls. And I, I can't, I'm, I got one eye, right? So I'm, I was debating when I was laying on the ground from the nut shot, but should I just give up now or, or go? I was like, nah, fuck that. We gonna get this one back. After the eye gouge, I'm like, I, I can't get this one. I can't see like it's, it's good. I'm now fully compromised from my balls burning my eyes is, 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 um, you, you gouge my eye. I'm blinking. Can't see. There's no way I'm going to continue this fight against now the dude. I'm going to give him his pop on the tech. Now he's a shitty boxer. He has shitty hands in a, in another fight. I'm I'm definitely not going to kid out it, it, as long as he doesn't kick me in the dick again. Um, he's over here talking like, he, he or let me see, let me see the, uh, I say, you know, always oh, fast. I'm like, oh, this motherfucker's real fast. I don't want to, I don't want to keep fighting, compromise eyes. So I say, hey, I don't want to fight with this eye. Who would want to fight with a who just had their eye gouged? Also, my nuts are still burning. Right? 
so they pick up on the hot mic. Oh, he, he, he said he don't want to fight with the eyes. So now I got the troll. It was like, you quit because you didn't want to fight with the eye. It was like, what are y'all? No, I didn't want to fight with the eye. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Again, these are coming from people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about anyway. So they weigh the fight off. And again, in this moment, I'm thinking it's just a poke. So he comes over. He's like, oh, Mike, I'm sorry. It wasn't intentional. I didn't mean to. I'm not dirty, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, and I'm giving him the, ah, oh, it's a fight. Shit happens. Don't even worry about it. I'm being, I'm like, ah, oh, you want to be champion, right? You want to be the champ, right? He's like, I don't even know. He's ah, oh, just, I'm sorry. I was like, dog, just do your thing. Keep training hard, whatever, right? They announced the winner. I go in the back. I'm doing the interviews. I get back to the hotel, right? Soon as I get back, security's like, yo, you see the replay? <laughs> I, they show me the replay. That's when I see the actual, and I was like, oh, shit. It was intentional. Now, intentional is very subjective here. I don't think he, like, low, let me gouge this dude's eye out. But if you poke somebody, you oh, if I poke somebody, right, even like, think I poke somebody. I, oh shit, my bad. I, I, I didn't mean to do that. You went from here, 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 and here. How can I not say that's intentional? You know these shots, you know these things are illegal. These are illegal tactics. This isn't Krav Maga. We're not in Kill Bill. You're not pie made with the you know what I'm saying? So I the tactics, man. Again, this is after two nut shots. Dean Barry is a dirty fucking cheater of a fighter, period. His fans that to support him. Y'all supporting the cheating fighter. You know what I'm saying? With these dirty tactics. If y'all cool with that, that's on y'all. I'm going to call out the white fragility, though. And then on top of that, so Dan, Dean, again, to, to the point of white fragility, right? This would have been a great point for Dean to just, man, because he went back to the hotel. He was like, oh, I can't believe I did that. I made a mistake, but this is coming from the people at the hotel who's watching him come through, right? I, I can't believe I did that. So he's acknowledging the mistake to himself. Here's where the white fragility comes in. He gets online and he says, I quit. Ah, oh, he, he quit. He could have continued. So now you're making excuses for your action. It wasn't my, I didn't kick myself in the dick twice. I didn't gouge my eyes out with the pie made eye snatching technique. It was Dean who did these things, but he's going to say to the people, I know who quit. You know what I'm saying? That in itself is white fragility. That in itself, right? So then he has to go through, he has to leave his Twitter because he's a piece of shit now. He's a dirty cheating fighter. So now look at you, Dean. You're a broke boy. Because again, let me tell you the backstory. We're the ones who make this fight, right? His management gets my name and he says, he messaged me on in like August, September of 2020. Hey, Mike, no disrespect, my, net, my management got your name. Are you even fighting still? You know, we want to make this happen. We're thinking it'd be a good fight, et cetera, et cetera. At the time, I was like, I'm, I'm just getting back into training. I'm down. Give me a couple months. We can do it, right? So the fight is kind of coming to, not coming to fruition on, at his rate of speed, I guess. And so he starts telling me his backstory. He's broke. He, he's over there. He, he's a broke boy in Ireland. He needs the money bad, right? He has a girlfriend. He's just, he, he's got like a new kid on the way. So now he's a father. And that was the other thing. I saw him at the PI and I was giving him problems. I was like, yo, I said, you would congrats on being a dad. 
Like you can, you can, you're in a position now where you can provide for your family and all these things. And then after the fight, he wants to be a fucking white fragility piece of shit and blame it on me. I was doing it. I did him a favor. He got signed for me. Right. So I was doing him a favor and now he wants to act like this. But again, he's now he's going back because he's broke. Right. He probably got $12,000. He got to pay his manager. He got to pay his gym and all these other things, his fees. He already told me it cost him 15 grand to get a visa. He didn't make 15 grand from the fight. So he's already in the hole. And then you didn't get your win bonus because you're a dirty cheating fighter. You saw people you're gonna knock me out, you're gonna get the $50,000 bonus. You didn't get any of those things because you're a dirty cheating fighter. And you couldn't own up to your mistake. If he would have owned to his mistakes, he'd have been off, he would have been better off. But he can't even own his mistakes. And that's the white fragility inside of him. He, he just he just had to let it out. I, I tell people, white fragility, it, it, you gotta be bloated and feel like you got gas and you got you gotta fart. And then that's the fragility letter. And like you fart in the sand, like some crazy wild shit. And then you feel better. Yeah. But then, you know, the, the gas comes back. And that's all this is, right? So to the point, you're going to take all of these L's, Dean Barry. You're going to take the L of being in a hole with your visa. You're going to take the L on your record for being a dirty, cheating fighter. You're going to take the L for not getting your win bonus. You're going to take the L for not being able to provide for your family because you got a newborn baby. You're going to take the L because you're going to go back to Ireland and I don't even know what you're doing. You're a grocery boy or some shit. I don't know. You're 28 years old. You, you need to set better goals for your life. You're an adult. You know what I'm saying? Go go provide for your family. You got all these things now. And what's the likelihood that it's gonna re, they're going to bring them back in the UFC? So now... You got to go back to Ireland and fight on these regional promotions, which we just had a conversation last week. Ireland MMA isn't doing too well right now. Your best bet is to get on a Bellator card in Ireland. They ain't even fucking with y'all right now. So all of these things are because of Dean Barry's actions, not mine. So yeah, now we're here and now he looks like a fucking loser with no money. So is and that, I'm over here having a good time. Is that... Is that the hardest part or the part that I guess makes you angry is not that it happened, which again is terrible. It happened in the first place. And, you know, I know you as a fighter, I know every fighter, no one, no one's looking for a disqualification. No one's trying to go out there and get a disqualification when we all know that. And if you don't know that, then you're not really a fan of fighters because we all know that we know that's not the way you want to win. But that being said, him coming out afterwards and saying you were looking for the easy way out and making the whole Twitter post. Is that really what is kind of like what, what is really what, cause again, you can look at the replay and you talk about like, you believe, you know, in your heart of hearts, he was doing it intentionally and he's cheating. But if he apologizes, I'm sorry, didn't mean to do it. You know, we'll run it back, whatever. And that's the end of it. Is that the end of it? That's that what really, been the end of it. Yeah. That would have been the end of it. Right. Right. It was the end of it after the fight. Like I was, I was already done. And now we're gonna obviously we're gonna joke about it. We're gonna be the memes. I got again. It was, it was fun. Like Heinz, like it's fucking hilarious. Like I'm, I'm laughing. People tell you, and, and they like, oh man, like no. I'm like, no. This shit is funny because again, I have a different sense of humor, and I can laugh at myself. I got kicked in the damn. Now did it hurt? It fuck. I still feel remnants of the kick today. I woke up this morning like, damn. I had to check my balls. Like fuck. All right, that's a weird feeling. Um. Oh yeah, he could have just left it at that. He's he's ah uh, in the ring. He's ah uh, man, I'm sorry, my bad. It wasn't my intentions, right? He could have left it at that. You didn't have to go online and say Mike quit. And that's what I'm saying. Like there there is a point. You you trying to win at this point. You're trying to look good. You're trying to impress people. Whatever his, his strategy is here. 
but it's not a smart strategy. That's why he had to delete his Twitter for being a dumbass. You know what I'm saying? And 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 that all falls on him. He did. He literally did all of this stuff to himself, and he tries to blame me for quitting. Like, who the fuck does that? You know who does that? A snow roach does that. <laughs> White fragility does that. That's who does. Don't I? Because someone said, and I, people are like, oh, Mike calls white people snow. I've never called a white person a snow roach. I've never called a white person a racist. I've only called racist races or racist snow roaches, right? Who have, and when I say race, I'm talking about your mindset, your ideology. You think that you're better than. This man came out here. He thought he was better than me in all aspects. And he wasn't. He wasn't a better fighter than me. He's a fucking dirty cheating fighter. And he wasn't a better man than me because he couldn't even own up to his own mistakes. All he had to do was just, Shit, my bad. And that would have been the end of it. And I would have had all the respect for Dean Barry. At this point, I have zero respect for Dean Barry, who is a piece of shit, dirty, cheating fighter. Period. That being said, uh, Mike, when you got the offer, when we talked, we did an interview when the fight was booked a while ago before everything happened and then the pandemic and everything else was going on. Um, you have other things going on in your life. You don't necessarily need to be a fighter right now. You are a fighter, but you're not, it's not like you're out there banging on the UFC's door saying, I need a fight. I need a fight. That kind of stuff. Um, so we're saying this and, and we don't know what's going to go on next in terms of, is he going to come back? Are they going to keep him on the roster? We have no idea how that's going to play out. They going to get that motherfucker. I cut his ass. Send him back to Ireland. But do you like, in terms of you, like, is this what we're basically, like, what I'm getting at is, like, is this the end of it with Dean Barry? I guess is what I'm getting at. Like, you're giving, you're talking to me right now. Are you just putting him out of sight, out of mind after this? I Look, I, I mean, if they come, look, I'm, yeah, I am putting him out of sight, out of mind. I'm going to share, I'm going to keep shitting on him, though. I'm going to let you know right now. I'm going to keep shitting on him until I get bored, because that that's just the, the the Mike Jackson, the Mike the Truth way, I guess. Um, so I'm going to keep doing that. But once I'm done with that, I'm going to put him out of sight, out of mind. Now. In the, in the unlikeliness that they say, let's run it back, I just can't see him doing that. But in the unlikeliness that they say run it back, 100% I'm running it back. 100%. I still stand by my, my actions and my words going into the fight. I, he's not a better fighter than me. I, in, that, in that fight, he was doing his thing. I was, I was, he was hitting air. I was look. I was literally doing the fucking Neo Matrix thing. He's throwing punches. I'm like, oh shit, that's a cool one. I was like, damn, that that's a hard punch. <laughs> that, that hit me. That would suck. I'm literally looking at his punches, and you know what I'm saying. And so again, the shots that were landing, I was already compromised from the two dick kicks. You know what I'm saying. So if they want to run it back, sure. I don't feel that they are. Um, for me, at this point, it just the the, the fight has to make sense. It has to be a, a fight that. Yeah, again, that's that's the name of the game anyway. There, we have to worry about the athletic commissions, etc. Um, I personally would like another. I, I want another fight just because again, I didn't get to show uh, my skill set that I wanted to show. Um, but if I don't, that's cool too. I'm cool with that. If, if an opera, if the right opportunity never presents itself, furthermore, cool. I've now fought in three different decades. Um, I'm two and one as a pro MMA fighter, two and one or two and one in a pro MMA fighter, two and one in the UFC. You know what I'm saying? Um, my other combat sports record was at four, five, five and one outside of, of, of MMA. You know what I'm saying? So now what? I'm seven and two combat sports pro. You know what I'm saying? I'm cool with that. I got some other, I came back home. I flew straight back 
and, and went to the Fury card because I had to, you know, I'm providing the dope coverage for them. You know what I'm saying? Providing the art for them as well. You know, I'm, I'm doing this thing uh, uh, for, the, for the community, you know? So I'm cool. It's people like Dean Barry. He's broke. He don't have nothing. He's struggling. So he needs these opportunities and he squandered it. How you squandered this great? You talk all this shit. I'm a five-time kickboxing world champion in Ireland. Well, he's a point karate champion and, and you get this amazing opportunity and you, you putting a bounty on my head and all this shit and you squander it. And again, after the fight, you probably, let's just say that, they, let's just say best case scenario, you do get another shot. They tell them to go down to 55 because you look like a little chunky monkey. Go to 55, we'll get you another fight. You've now squandered that by your further actions of being a piece of shit with your wife fragility on social media. Talking about the guy that I kicked in the dick twice and I, and I hit him with the primate eye gouge. He quit. <laughs> Maybe I wouldn't have quit. I wouldn't have bowed out the contest in a prize fight if I wasn't hit with three illegal shots in like half a round. I don't, I don't remember when the eye gouge came, but I know the, the, the second dick kick came at under two minutes. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. the, the dude only has himself to blame here. Um, this is a weird one to ask you, Mike. I'm only asking this because it is such an odd situation. Cause this came up on, on Saturday night. Uh-huh. You're a guy, you have fun. You go out there and have fun and you go out there and, and you're a, a media guy also. So you've done this analysis stuff. You've kind of looked at fights and you know, you know how it goes when it's all said and done. Have you thought about like the, the bizarre nature of your UFC run? Like when you think about it, like, like, like in terms of like how like in, insanely strange, like the Mickey Gall fight happens and then the CM Punk fight happens. And then this just like, it's just the, like you yeah. couldn't write this, Mike, you couldn't write this story. Hey, Ryan Spann texted me yesterday. Right. He was like, bro, can you do anything normal? You've you, you've obviously had kind of a, a wild, crazy, uh, unexpected run. There will be a book written one day. I, I get a feeling, Mike, when it's all said and done, you got to write a book about this or something. hundred percent, man. It, it only makes sense that it, it's going to go into the whole uh, Mike the Truth Entertainment you know, portfolio. We got the Shits and Giggles brand that we launched. And as y'all saw, the new Instagram handle is Shits and Giggles brand. Um, because, again, that's what we're doing this for. It's for the Shits and Giggles. And uh, we having a good time doing. We gonna keep the ball rolling with the part, you know, w- w- with life and on this crazy journey that we on. And uh, who knows what's next? It's gonna be some cool shit, though. I-, I promise you. Yeah. Well, Mike, I appreciate you doing this. Of course, uh, in all sincerity, I'm glad the eye is okay because that's really scary. I mean, obviously, a, a growing shot could be devastating as well. So I don't want to look past right. that. But I'm saying, like, you know, I mean, because yeah, no, we, sure. we, we've seen it. I mean, look at Michael Bisping. I mean, the guy literally lost his eye, you know, getting, you know, dealing with eye injury. So it can happen. It's yeah. a horrible thing. So I'm glad uh-huh. your eyes okay. Um, whether you fight again or not, man, like I said, you know, do your thing. You're always got a million things going on outside of just actually fighting. Right. But I, I, I'm sorry this happened. And, uh, you know, thank you for doing this with me. Because, like I said, when I saw the Twitter post, I was just like, really? That's the reaction? Like, that seems a little, <laughs> a little, because <laughs> I don't think anyone's going into it thinking, oh, man, I really, really want to get a groin shot. And then I want to have my eyes scooped out of my head. What? And I just, uh, you know, <laughs> call me crazy. I'd rather get knocked out to get my eyes scooped out of my head. That's all I'm saying. I'd rather get knocked out you to get, you know. <laughs> Come on, my God. Uh, but I appreciate it, Mike. Always, uh, anytime you want to hop back on here, man, you know this. Let me know. Open invitation. You always got oh, an man. invite on this show. I appreciate it. And uh, man, heal up. And uh, whatever comes next, you know, we'll all be watching.
No doubt, my guy. Appreciate you as always for being my dude. Absolutely. We'll talk soon, okay? Yes, sir. Later. Want to say a big thank you once again to both of our guests this week. Mike Jackson, of course, coming off his fight with Dean Barry over the weekend. And, of course, a big thank you, as always, to Joe Lozon for stopping by the show to preview his fight coming up with Donald Cowboy Cerrone and a great trip down memory lane of uh, some of the uh, the old school UFC guys who have been around and some of those memories talking about Joe Silva and everything. Always a, a lot of fun there. Make sure you check us out on all of your favorite podcast platforms each and every week here for the fighter versus the writer. We're over on Apple podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. And of course you can always find us over at MMA fighting.com. A big thank you once again to everyone that tunes in each and every week to the podcast. We will see you next week for another edition of the fighter versus the writer. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you then. Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.